0: Let's turn then to our sermon text for today, which is found in Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 through 38. It's also in the sermon insert in the bulletin. As you will remember, in Genesis 19, the first 14 verses, as, um, which we talked about last week, two angels had come to the city of Sodom. They were testing the cities of the valley, these Canaanite cities that were near where the Salt Sea is uh, now. At that time, it was a fertile and rich country. And uh, the angels came to test the cities, and they found that indeed, Sodom had succumbed to temptations of wealth and ease. They had neglected their previous chastisement and deliverance by God at the hand of Abraham. Uh, their sinful corruption was pervasive throughout you know, all the men of the city, from young to old. They, their sin was expressed by the men seeking unnatural sexual immorality with the strangers, against knowledge, threatening violence against Lot for reproving them. But Lot had stood out from the rest. He was found in the city gate, looking out for the welfare of others involved in his community. He showed hospitality to the strangers, getting a feast ready for them, sheltering them, protecting them. He urged the men of the city to not act wickedly, putting himself at risk. He urged his sons-in-law to flee the city. Although he was not faultless, his faith had expressed itself by works, uh, by what he had done. Now let's pick up the rest of this uh, account by reading Genesis nineteen, fifteen through 38. <clears throat> As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and the Lord, uh, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Let me escape there, is it not a little one, and my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, "'Behold, I lay last night with my father. "'Let us make him drink wine tonight also. "'Then you may go in and lie with him, "'that we may preserve offspring from our father.' "'So they made their father drink wine that night also. "'And the younger arose and lay with him. "'And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. "'Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. "'The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. "'He is the father of the Moabites to this day.' The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. Lord God, you have given us your word for uh, training in righteousness, for reproof, for instruction, uh, for rebuke, for... Uh, Our good is profitable for us, and so we pray that you would use it for our good, that you would uh, grant us the faith to receive it, to act upon it, that we would understand it, that you would guide me in the preaching of it, uh, to be faithful to your word. Uh, We pray that you would uh, strengthen us, convict us, uh, that you would uh, strengthen and comfort us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, we find the overthrow, the destruction of the cities of the valley, Uh, four of the five at least, there were five cities there, Uh, Zoar, one of the smaller ones, was spared, but four of them, and the inhabitants of the cities, even what grew on the ground, Uh, is obliterated by a rain of sulfur and fire that causes the land to smoke so much, the smoke of a furnace, that Abraham, where he was, could look out from the higher land where he lived and see the smoke ascending of what God had done the day after he had spoken with Abraham. This is uh, a quick series of events where the men had visited Abraham and they go off and the evening, the two show up at Sodom, and they have dinner, and all that happens during the night where the men of Sodom surround the house, and Lot talks to his sons-in-law, and it's that next morning, as dawn begins to break, that, uh, that the, the angels take Lot and his family out of the city and set them on their way. And as the day is, the sun has come out, then the destruction rains upon Sodom and Gomorrah. In this we find that the Lord is just and merciful. We see his justice displayed in his judgment, uh, which had been uh, validated by what had been discovered by the angels, that this was uh, a place deserving of such judgment. Uh, He would be the judge of all the earth. He is powerful and just, but he also is merciful, uh, that he had mercy upon Lot, despite his wavering, his hesitation, his fearfulness, um, that God delivered him. Out of such city. And so we'll look at uh, several things in this passage I want you to remember. Thinking of Jesus' words where he said, remember Lot's wife, Uh, let's remember uh, several parts of this story. Remember God's rescue of Lot, remember the overthrow of these cities, and remember Lot's wife and his daughters, uh, the way they responded in a wrong way uh, to the deliverance that was being granted them. So first, remember God's rescue of Lot. God displays his mercy to Lot, encouraging Lot and all his people to, and all people to trust in the mercy of the Lord and to follow him. In the haze of dawn, just as it's starting to get a little light outside, the angels, the two men, who looked like men, urged him to get out of the city, lest he be swept away. But then it says, but, but he lingered. But Lot lingered. Lot knew that he should get out of the town. He had told his sons-in-law to get out of the town, to up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. He had been with his uncle Abraham. Remember when they were in Haran and they were in Ur, and when the Lord had told Abraham to go out of the land, Lot had gone along with him. Uh, that was, was admirable, an, an act of, of faith on both of their parts. But now as they are not in his homeland, but in a strange city, uh, one that has obviously just demonstrated its wickedness to Lot himself, and the angels have told him that judgment is coming, yet Lot Lingers. Lot does not act right away. Perhaps he is attracted by the memories he has in that city, or perhaps the belongings that he has in that city. He doesn't want to leave right away. He lingers and does not act. We find that Lot's hesitation and fear and weakness is evident in several parts of this story. First, he lingers in Sodom, so that the men had to seize him. The angels had to seize him and his family, take them by the hand and get them out of the city. And then after that, he fears to flee to the hills like the angels tell him to. He says, I don't think I'm going to make it, even though you told me to, but I don't think I'm going to make it to the hills. Can't I just go to the city instead? This little city, you can spare it. It's just so little. Zoar, can't, can't I live there instead? And then he goes to the city, God grants him that, and then he's afraid to live in the city. Uh, And so he goes to the hills after all, and he lives in a cave, uh, showing fearfulness as well. And then he gives in to pressure from his daughters to get quite drunk, not once, but twice, Uh, perhaps also expressing his his fear and despair. And so Lot demonstrated his righteousness, he was a great example last week in most respects, But here we find that that Lot has hesitation. On the one hand, he doesn't have the reverent fear that Noah had that built the ark because he took God's word seriously, that judgment was coming. He probably could have used more of that kind of fear to to take God's word seriously, to tremble at the threatenings by faith. But he had a different kind of fear. Is it going to work out? Is, Is this word really going to lead to safety? Ought I to leave behind everything and follow the Lord? That type of doubting fear uh, was uh, holding him back, tripping him up, holding him down. But despite Lot's fear and weakness, the Lord was merciful to him. That's what it says that the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful. To him. A mercy is that love that you show for someone who is in distress, someone that is in danger, that you have a love for them, that you take that to heart and you want to help them. It might be the mercy of someone who forgives, who spares. The judgment coming upon them, or it might be someone who sees danger coming from some other quarter, and you want to rescue uh, someone from what you see about to befall them. If, if you see someone about to be run over by a car, you have mercy, and you, you grab them out of the way. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you might see, in this case, Lot, who is in danger of judgment that's going to fall upon the city, and his own hesitation and doubting is holding him back, or perhaps his, his kind of sympathy for The city and his belongings there, but God has mercy upon him and takes him by the hand and gets him started. Uh, He pushes him off the diving board, if you will. He he takes him out, gets him out of the city, and puts him on his way. Lot was like a brand plucked from the fire. Now, interesting, it says by the hand. We had seen that word hand come up a little bit earlier in this passage, right? The men had taken him by their hands a little earlier when he was outside the house and he was about to be uh, treated violently by the crowd and the angels grabbed him and pulled him inside the house. By their by strong hand and outstretched arm, they had saved Lot on the doorstep. And so they seized him by the hand again to bring him out of the city of destruction. So likewise, metaphorically, God would save Israel out of the house of bondage by a strong hand and outstretched arm. When we speak of God's hand and arm, we know that God is a spirit. He doesn't have a hand or an arm, but it demonstrates his power to save, uh, his power to intervene, demonstrated here by the work of these angels. So God spiritually draws sinners out of danger by his power today. Even though we're plagued by sins and doubts and the sins that even dwell within us that would seek to hold us back, God has mercy. And God is able to save out of the snares that are laid for you. It says here a little bit later in verse 29 that God remembered Abraham and rescued Lot, sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. He remembered Abraham, just as in chapter 8 we found that in the midst of the flood, a different overthrow, that God had remembered Noah and therefore saved him from that destruction. God has his people in mind, uh, not just being aware of them as he's aware of all things, but uh, looks out for them, cares for them. He, in this case, remembered Abraham and what Abraham had prayed petitioning the Lord for his mercy upon the righteous that they would not be swept away with the wicked. And he answered that prayer. There weren't enough righteous to spare the city, but he did deliver Lot out of that overthrow. And so the righteous may experience trials. and Believers in Christ today may experience trials and difficulties, but the Lord will remember them. The Lord will rescue them. The Lord will not forget you, even from death itself, which is uh, coming. The Lord will bring his people out of that with rejoicing, out of the very grave. He will take you by the hand and raise you up on the last day. The Lord will have mercy upon his people and deliver them from their enemies and set them outside the city on the path to life the Lord will make a distinction between his children and his enemies. For a time, things are all mixed up. The, the weeds and the wheat are all growing together. A lot was dwelling among the people of Sodom. But there would be a day, and a day came, this day, when a distinction would be made. And there will be a day at the end of history in which God will make a distinction between the children of God and his enemies. He will spare his children as a father spares his children who serve them, serve him and, and not treat them as their sins deserve. He forgives transgressions. As he forgave Lot his transgressions and delivered him from the judgment, he sent his son out of mercy for sinners to deliver them from the wrath to come, to die for their sins. And they may be mixed up for a time. Uh, but not forever. Now, Lot's weakness, uh, sh- you, we should think of that in several ways. You, first of all, should take comfort from his weakness. God saves uh, believers even though uh, they may be fearful and sin. Uh, that Lot was one who did wrong in several instances. Uh, he uh, was weak. We can think of others in Scripture, like Peter, uh, who had moments of great faith and example as well as areas of weakness and doubt and sin. And yet God had mercy upon them, both of them and upon others to raise them up out of the mire uh, to deliver them, to have mercy. And that should be a comfort because you probably can think of times where you have not acted according to faith in God's word resolutely but have held back or gone astray and have sinned against the Lord. But God has mercy and saves those who trust in him. And so God's mercy to Lot, his weakness, uh, despite his weakness, is a comfort. It's also a warning that though Lot was a believer, that though Lot was righteous Lot, though he was different than all the people around him and was distressed in his soul about the evil he saw about him, yet he was prone to uh, temptation, yet he was prone uh, not free from sin that uh, he uh, still could fall prey to it and believers can even today uh, it is a danger to look out for that you linger when you know what is right when God has told you what is right and yet you still hold back for some reason doesn't make sense but you might still hold back even though you know what is right Avoid the fault of Lot. Uh, do not linger when God is called. It was not good for Lot. It did not lead his family well. Uh, the, the fearfulness of Lot seems to have been passed down to his daughters later, as we'll see. Uh, it was uh, a, a, uh, a danger and was not good leadership, at the very least. And it was something that is recorded in Scripture for our warning, to see Lot's actions and to to tremble with faith and depart from such ways. But thirdly, not only is it comfort and a warning, but it's also an encouragement to imitate the angels, to imitate the Lord. The Lord had mercy upon Lot and brought him out, even though, you know, he could have thought, well, I told him to get out. And he's lingering, so I'm going to just leave him. His blood be upon his own head. Sometimes we might feel that way towards others, but the scripture encourages us to have mercy upon those who doubt, uh, to, to seek to help them. In fact, Jude says that. Jude not only talks about the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, but also says at the end, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Uh, the action of these two angels in having mercy upon him and bringing him out, uh, intervening, is an example. Now, you might not necessarily drag someone by the hand, but uh, to, to speak to them, uh, to encourage them, to have mercy upon those who linger. So remember God's rescue of Lot. That The Lord is merciful. Secondly, remember the overthrow of these cities. We find this in verses 23 through 29. God reveals himself by his words and by his works. Uh, And he interpreted these works. He told Abraham what they meant. This wasn't just a random explosion, uh, a random natural event but it was an act of God and it had a purpose because the people of these cities were great sinners. It was an expression of His justice. We're not called to create an idea of God that is according to our own imagination, the way I think I would like my God to be, but rather we are to deal with the God who has revealed Himself by His Word, by His works, that He is a God of mercy and justice and to revere the God who is there. Now, here is what God did. In the morning, when the sun had risen, he arranged sulfur and fire upon these cities. We don't know, perhaps, the exact mechanism of, you know, scientifically what was happening. We do know that there's, um, you know, the area, the geography around there does have things like sulfur and asphalt and salt. And, I mean, the Dead Sea is right there. But... One way or the other, the Lord rained sulfur and fire upon these cities, and it says he, he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Just as with Adam, even the ground was cursed for their sin. Paradise, it was like the Garden of Eden. That's what chapter 13 said, gone, paradise lost. God destroyed all the inhabitants, young and old, cut off their future, not even a ruin to their name. God destroyed even the vegetation, salted it over like an enemy might salt over their enemy's ground so that nothing would grow, turned a rich and fertile valley into a desolate wasteland surrounded by a sea that's even today called the Dead Sea. Even today, it's rather desolate. And the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace, so that even Abraham could see this work of the Lord. And so that overthrow of the cities is a lasting monument to the righteousness and to the power of God. It's spoken of throughout Scripture, in Old and New Testament. Um, God doesn't do this every day, uh, but he did it in this case so that we might know that God is righteous, that he does this from time to time in some ways, but especially at the last day, uh, will uh, fulfill what he has revealed of himself in this instance. God is righteous and will not tolerate sin, Uh, which is a good thing when you're a a victim of someone else's sin. All of a sudden you realize that sin is bad and, and you want God to take care of it, but of course we're also sinners and we need to repent and seek his mercy, see previous point. But God is righteous and he will not tolerate sin. God is also sovereign over all things. Whether it's raining water upon the earth or raining fire upon the earth, he can use Uh, the natural elements, whatever he needs to, to sweep away the ungodly. And his judgment on sin is total. We have been given all things by God, and God can take them all away. He continues to be generous to all people for a time, filling their hearts with gladness and food and drink. But his gifts will be revoked from those who continue to rebel against him. So many things that they take for granted. And so, the overthrow of these cities is used an ex- as an example. In Deuteronomy 29, he told Israel, this could happen to you if you uh, betray the Lord and go after other gods. <clears throat> In uh, Luke 17 or Second Peter 2 or Jude, describes as an example of uh, the final judgment of Christ's coming. Jude says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Fire and sulfur, the same things are used to describe hell in the book of Revelation. There, the the second death, the eternal judgment, is described as a lake of fire and sulfur. On the one hand, the children of God receive the new heaven and the new earth. They dwell with God without sorrow or pain or death. That is the blessed hope to which we look. But on the other hand, Revelation says, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. So remember the overthrow of these cities. They're an image of things to come. Remember the end of the wicked, that you may not envy them. Sin corrupts and it takes its captives to its house of sin and death. So cherish the way of salvation that the Lord has provided, that he provided for Lot, that he provides for you, that he freely offers to the world. And see how God is displeased with sin, that even as a believer who's no longer under condemnation, that's as you love God, as you are thankful to God, that you seek to not do such things that are so displeasing to him that would lead him to wipe out the city and raise it to the ground. And so learn from the overthrow of Sodom. Thirdly, remember Lot's wife's Lot's wife and daughters. Remember Lot's wife and daughters. We see Lot's wife in verse 26. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And then we find the uh, unfortunate ending in verses 30 through 38 uh, regarding Lot's daughters. But first, remember Lot's wife. She still had Sodom in her heart. Though she had been taken out of the city, yet she looked back to it. Even though the angel said, don't look back, don't stop, keep on going, this is a city of destruction. Yet she was already lagging behind Lot, it seems, and then turned back and shared in the judgment of those cities, was turned into a pillar of salt that even afterwards people would remember what took place. Jesus told his disciples, remember Lot's wife. He said this as he warned his disciples of the love of money, the love of material possessions, the love of one's own life, that one might not put it above the love of Christ. He warned them to deny themselves and trust wholly in him, to look to his coming. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Lot's wife doubtless looked back to the possessions they had in Sodom, uh, perhaps the things of sentimental value or of uh, the riches that they had accumulated or the people that she knew. But she looked back and, and loved the things which she ought not to have loved. Look to Christ. Do not turn back. Do not regret that decision. Uh, look to Christ and do not turn back. Scripture warns us to not love the world or the things that are in the world. John says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So remember Lot's wife. Do not turn back. Follow the Lord. Follow his path, trust in him, and beware the love of the world. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches that Jesus says are like thorns that would choke out the word so that it proves fruitless. Remember also Lot's daughters. Even though they had been delivered by God's mercy, they sunk into despair and depravity. While living in a cave in the hills, uh, they despaired that they would ever get husbands or children. And so they got their father drunk uh, so that they could commit incest with him without his knowledge, uh, laying with him as with a husband. And this was a grave sin. Their deed was similar in some ways to Ham's dishonor of his father after the flood, but worse. There, Noah got himself drunk, And he uncovered himself, and Ham simply saw it and spoke of it. But here, the daughters got Lot drunk, and twice, and then they uncovered him sexually and committed incest. But in both cases, they did this after being delivered, after seeing God's judgment fall, after being removed from that wickedness, and yet went astray. They had... In this case, the daughters perhaps a desire which was good uh, for children, but they sought to obtain it in the wrong way and were led by despair, uh, fearfulness, uh, resorting to a means which God had not given them, teaching us to remember to not trust in our own understanding and to be directed by uh, the word of God and the will revealed for us. Now they did bear children, Moab and Ammon, These children became nations, and they would actually live in those hills on the other side of the valley, Moab to the south and Ammon to the north of it. These were nations that were shown kindness by Israel as kin, but they usually proved, these nations proved to be idolatrous enemies, more like Canaanites than Israelites, though there are exceptions. Ruth was a Moabite. Now Lot's wife and daughters are presented as warnings, and Israel should have remembered them as they went in the what? The wilderness. Israel was delivered from Egypt. They saw the great deliverances of the Lord, and yet so many of them went astray. They were to walk by faith, to follow the Redeemer, not looking back to Egypt, not despairing in the wilderness. But what did so many of them do? Oh, that we were back in Egypt. Oh, they had cucumbers and they had wonderful things for us and we could go back to Egypt and let's reject Moses and let. That's what Lot's wife had done. And many of them shared in similar judgment. Or others, oh, you know, what, what, we have to eat this manna or will God give us food? Will God give us drink in the wilderness? And grumbled against the Lord and were struck down. They yearned for Egypt. They despaired in the wilderness. Some of them committed sexual immorality. Only a remnant persevered. That's a warning for Israel later on as well. In Amos, God says, I overthrew some of you, as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. God can show great mercy to people, giving them the knowledge of salvation, including them in his church, bringing them out of the world, And yet they not receive these things by faith and yet turn back against these things, apostatize, neglect the blessings and the goodness of God. And so it's a message for the New Covenant Church as well. You've been delivered from the world, called out by the gospel, call. You have been brought into the ark. You have been delivered from Egypt, have passed through the Red Sea in your baptism. You have been rescued from Sodom. You have been baptized into Christ made his disciples, set on the path of following him, all of you, young and old. Take heed, lest you despise this mercy and this knowledge of salvation. Do not be like Ham. Do not be like the rebellious children of Israel in the wilderness. Do not be like Lot's wife and daughters. Do not turn back and do not despair. Fix your eyes on Christ, where he is, in heaven, where he has glory that for you and that he cares for you and that he is merciful to you and that you will not want you will not uh, be destroyed that he will rescue you even out of death that there is no danger that you could leave everything that you could count it all as lost and know the surpassing wonder of knowing the lord and in sharing in his resurrection so hold fast to the lord by faith he is merciful and he is trustworthy So remember God's rescue of Lot. Remember his overthrow of the cities of the valley. And remember Lot's wife and daughters. Remember that the Lord is just and merciful. Jesus will deliver his people and he will put things to right. So trust in his mercy and do not turn back from following him. It's senseless to long for a world of sin and death. Look instead to the age to come. And look to his mercy even in this age. This world will pass away with its devotees. Those who abide in Christ by faith will abide forever, despite their sins and their doubts. The day of the Lord will be a day of mercy and deliverance to those who have trusted in him. So to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for warning us, the grace which has taught us uh, and the grace which has caused us to see your salvation and to embrace it in Jesus Christ. We pray that uh, you would have mercy upon us, that when we hesitate or linger, that you would take us by the hand and bring us out of the harm which we too willingly bring upon ourselves. We pray that you would give us a gratitude and thankfulness for your salvation, that we might walk in the path according to your direction and to not go astray. We pray that you would help us to repent of our sins, to be humble before you, and in that fear to be courageous, to go forth uh, with strength, and to uh, count even all as loss, looking to the great gain that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would deliver those who walk in darkness, that you would grant this blessing to all peoples and nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.